I want to thank everyone that listened to our first episode. Obviously, there have been so many things that have recently occurred in our society that have negatively affected the lives of underrepresented people. For starters, the disparate effect of COVID-19 on minority communities, including the acute effect it's had on the Navajo Nation. As well, minority communities are experiencing layoffs due to COVID-19 at a far higher rate than their Caucasian counterparts. And not to be overshadowed, the recent murders of Amaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd say their names. These events have reminded us that underemployment, lack of proper health care, and sanctioned state violence are just some of the underlying issues that have long set minority communities at the back of the proverbial bus are alive and well. Our hope here was to have some fun while tracking the positive growth of racial and religious minorities, women, uh, the LGBTQ, tracking their characters in comics, sci-fi, and fantasy against their historic negative stereotypes in media. It's as important as ever that we discuss these issues, that we advocate for representation in the writers' rooms and production meetings, so that when this history is written, it's done accurately with the right heroes. Let's get into it. Been in my big brown boots at the sound pool. Come at the clouds like Zeus. My style's full. I wanna keep it childproof, raised with more than values. Welcome to Mutant or Minority. My name is Jared Birdsong, also known as Baracko Baggins, first black mayor of the Shire. Um, and today, um, of course, sitting with us is the other host, my man Frank Escamilla. Say hello. How you doing? All right, that was <laughs> short and sweet. Um, all right, Jared Sams, what's up? The other Jared. Yo, what's up? I am Lame Jared. You are cool, Jared. But I'm. Pl- it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I forgot. I forgot what my. Uh, what was my don't, uh, don't my moniker? Nerd Master General. Nerd Master That's General. That's awesome. That's my mutant name. Nerd Master General. That's me, baby. <laughs> that is such a great name, man. I mean, I know it was kind of a lark that you did it as a fluke and stuff, man. But it sounds awesome. It's just it works every time I hear it. It works, man. It makes me think <laughs> of cigarettes. <laughs> Their master general warning. Yeah, this is had some old, old lady reading comic books, smoking cigarettes, and drinking coffee. I love it. Jerry constantly telling Frankie to stop smoking. Stop it, man. So real quick, uh, if we run through this real fast, man, before we get into um, X Men, man, I know that because of everything that's been going on with like uh, COVID nineteen. Um, you know, the, the the current unrest that started in Minneapolis. I shouldn't say that. The current unrest that started with Ahmaud Albury and Breonna Taylor before it even got to George Floyd. But um, with uh, those things that have gone on, even with the recent Supreme Court um, decisions, that a lot of um, the things that we would normally do in terms of our, our reading habits have changed a lot. I know they changed for me initially, but I started, I was got back into reading graphic novels. Have you guys with everything that's going on, being able to do any reading, Frankie? Or... No, I, I, to be honest, I mean, I was reviewing the books that we were going to talk about today, but I haven't really got a chance to, to sit and read anything new. I haven't had an opportunity to buy anything new. My comic shops were closed. Oh, so, word. Yeah. So I haven't really had an opportunity. I mean, I've, I've read a couple, I've been trying to read a couple novels, but other than that, you know, I, I've just been, I've been trying to distract myself. Did you ever finish, um, what was it, as, um the first uh, Game of Thrones book. Was that a Swords and Shields or? Oh no, a, a 
Oh, and I can't remember the name of that. that I actually read that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a story of so- ice and, so- and shield. Yeah, there we go. The story of ice and fire, fire and ice or some shit. We are butch- like, yeah. We are, uh, we are I, fake I, ass nerds. <laughs> Anyways, Frank, I didn't mean to interrupt, man. No, yeah, but I, I did. I, I finished. I finished the first book of Game of Thrones. It's a story of ice and fire, right? That's there, we there we go. There we go. And and. Uh, but other than that, man, yeah, I mean, you know, I've been, I've been uh, paying attention to what's going on in the world and then trying also to, like, take care of myself and, and step away from it. But then I feel like I come back and so much more has happened in two days. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, just trying to just, you know, trying to stay as positive as possible during these crazy times. Oh. What about watching? You uh, been able to binge anything? Man, I watched a show on, on Hulu called The Great. Uh, great! I heard that's great. I heard, <laughs> I heard that was a good show. Yeah, I heard, it, I heard that's it, you know good. what? I was, I was skeptical going in. You know, I got to watch it with Ruby, um, and uh, you know, I usually give shows about two episodes, three, if the second one gets me. But this, it was, it was funny. It's a funny show, right? It's a funny take on. Uh, it's a funny stretch of history and comedy. It's Catherine the Great, right? It's like about her, yeah. like young and like. Kind of going to battle with her 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 husband, who's the king of R- Russia, right? Exactly. Okay. Okay. And that's exactly the story. Have you seen it? No, no. A buddy of mine <laughs> hyped it up, and she was like, "Yo, it's great. It's it's really funny." Um, but the premise sounds great. It sounds awesome. It's like this kind of like battle of wills between this like she's like young too, right? She's like you know, um, she may sound like she's like a teenager in the show, but pretty much between this teenager who's being married off to uh, the king of Russia. And the king of Russia, who just like a like a douchebag, essentially, like the most incompetent douchebag in the world. But also, like, we know Catherine the Great's name. We don't know that nigga's name. You know what I mean? So it's like, so you kind of <laughs> understand how this is all gonna turn out at the end. Yeah. But uh, it's the journey, I guess. That's uh, that's fun about it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a great contrast because she does come in all idealistic, and has this romanticized idea of what's gonna happen and who this guy is, and he just turns out to be like a bro. <laughs> you know, a bro yeah. drinking up all the all the vodka, yeah. partying every night. Like, wow. yeah, it, it's it's pretty funny. I mean, it was it was a good break from everything, uh, everything that's serious that I usually watch. So, yeah, yeah, definitely recommend it. Um, is that it? I think that's it, bro. I try to watch. I don't even know why I did it. I try to watch that that Epstein Netflix oh, show. Shit. Oh, did you really? I watched about fifteen minutes and then I regretted it. Uh, <laughs> it's just—it's too much. It's, it's what was, too it was it, what was it? Did it just was it not effective? Like it seemed like an interesting documentary subject, but um, was it just like too conspiracy oriented or something like that? No, or? not at not at all. It was, it was like it was like listing things in chronological order um, of how oh. it was done. Right, how it how it started, and this is just like fifteen, maybe maybe twenty minutes. Maybe I give it twenty minutes, um, but it's just it's just creepy, man. It's just yeah. creepy with especially with, homegirl that was helping. When was on Jeffrey Epstein's um, essentially his madam that was out recruiting young ladies. I can't remember what her name was. I don't get too into it, but he was manipulating where one would one girl, where one you know young girl would come in and she'd either want to participate. Or, or wouldn't, and if there was no resistance, you know, then he'd have his way with them. And if there Damn. was resistance, then he'd recruit them to recruit other girls. Damn. So it just kept, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was diabolical, 
You know, well, it was... we may have to edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. You asked, bro. You asked. You asked. Why'd you ask the question? I don't. Yeah. I... I am bummed. I, I've seen. I, I haven't seen this documentary, but I've seen the Law and Order Special Victims Unit like take uh, on it. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. it's great because you know, in 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 the in that show, you know, justice is served. But I'm sure in reality, it's a it's a it's a lot darker uh, of a resolution. Um, well, there's you know, know, like I said, Prince Andrew's still alive. Man, he's He's catching it every which way, just about. So at least you know someone's uh you know dealing with uh, the bad publicity of it. <laughs> Somebody. Um, but nothing within genre, man. You know, you haven't done any uh, nerd shows, sci-fi, fantasy. I mean, I watched Creep Show, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. You know, the first it's, it's, it's horror nerd. No, no, they have actual they have actual series now. Oh, oh well, really? Yeah, it's, on, it's on Shutter. Well, it's on. I don't think it's on Shutter. I watched it on Shutter. I have a membership to Shutter, um, which is a horror add-on on on uh, on one of the stations, on one of the, the streaming services. Yeah, uh, and it was it was pretty. I mean, some of them were really good. Yeah, it's kind of low budge, but it, it looks yeah. like that. It, you know, it looks like it can get a lot better. Okay. Is it really like creature heavy, or is it more like, is it this like kind of stories that make your skin tingle, or is it like really kind of like yeah, like monster kind of shit? Well, they have they have uh, it is really creature heavy, but they have a couple a couple of them in there that are really creepy. Okay. One, I, I was surprised at how creepy it was. Uh, it starred <laughs> the little girl from The Walking Dead, the the one that's present now, and she's like Rick's daughter. Okay. Right. And it, it's it's about a, a dollhouse uh, where the dolls are moving, where where it's, it's twisted, man. Where there's where yeah. where she's she has this happy family in there, and all of a sudden this this like ghost monster zombie head appears and then it starts acting out a haunting in this dollhouse oh, and every wow. time <laughs> she comes back something else something else has occurred and so she starts to try to like buy dolls uh to to help the family so she buys oh, like a cop doll that's she cool the cop in there and then the cop ends up getting like killed by the ghost and the, she just oh. comes back scenes are just happy yeah the scenes just it just keeps building and building so that was yeah. like my favorite one but it was you know the show's pretty good but that, but you know kind of in genre but not yeah not, not nerdy that counts i mean i mean you know we know there's a a huge part of the the nerd community is is that horror horror genre man they love it i mean i have to admit i've always since the the early 80s and late 70s man i've just been way too scared to really just be into the horror genre because for me man before we got into the 80s and it was freddy and you know jason and stuff like that man i still remember like salem's lot and Amityville <laughs> horror the omen i mean those were legit because they were all about the devil yeah and, and so it was just impossible to go to sleep on nights if you watch that kind of stuff when horror later on got into where it was just kind of slasher movies those i mean i didn't they didn't scare they didn't scare me as much they kind of seem silly you know what i'm saying they're more grotesque yeah. so it just depends on what you what you like don't be wrong those other movies that i just previously mentioned i was interested in them as a piece of fiction um in as much as i was allowed to let, you know let myself believe they were fiction they felt real but that's what they seem like you know if you're a god-fearing you know child of you know second baptist black family right that crap <laughs> seemed like it could have been real so man that crap just scared me but 
I don't know. A lot of stuff that happened later. Don't get me wrong. There were some ones that were like Serpent in the Rainbow that got into like the late 80s. There was some stuff that was legitimately scary. Well, you know, like, not to like, like, you know, I don't want to get political or whatever, religious or whatever, but I mean, like, like, even like the devil, right? The Bible stuff is still like the ultimate fantasy world, right? Like, in my mind, like, it's weird. Like, that stuff still, it still like counts as genre because, like, like if Lord of the Rings is is genre, then why isn't like Bible stuff, right? Why isn't The Exorcist? You know what I mean? Like 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 uh, you know, obviously you know you can still believe in that stuff, but not everyone believes in that stuff. But it's still like this like really uh, big world full of big ideas yeah. uh, that you know that you know. Look, look at, at Constantine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or Hellblazer or Hellblazer. I mean, I remember when Hellblazer came out. Um, was that was that Vertigo, you guys? Yeah, that's Vertigo. Yeah. Vertigo? Or, or, yeah. I don't think Alan Moore created him, but I think he did create him. Yeah, because he, yeah. he appeared in Swamp Thing. But, yeah, I think... I think yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, to, I mean, even to this day, that's one of my favorite movie adaptations. I yeah. mean, I think that, you know, and granted, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to find a role for Keanu. I think that you say, that works. There's been a few. Right, right. There's no. There's been a few. John Wick Yeah. You know? Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, make Neo. <laughs> I don't know. Like honestly, Keanu Reeves has, has has found more roles that worked for him than most actors have, right? I mean, yeah. like, but the ones that worked worked well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. incredible. The ones that worked worked very, very well and stuff. That's why I think that nerds still like him, right? Because things he did do that worked worked out very well. And I think Constantine was one of them. Constantine, for the same reason you're you're mentioning, is because it's a rich um, environment. Um, biblical drama, right? Right, right, was, right. Yeah, all kinds of stuff in there that you could do, even if some of it comes off somewhat blasphemous, right? Especially preacher. Yeah. So, but you know, anyways, um, I guess we can move on a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I'm glad. I mean, we're actually talking about horror. I'm like, well, let's keep going. Let's yeah, do let's do it. Let's <laughs> dissect this. Uh, <laughs> no, you know what? But aside from just loving the genre, man, and loving the storytelling and and and, uh, and the lore, and you know what it what it does to what it does to a room, right? When you're watching a horror movie, like horror movies, genuinely helped me get over uh, my night terrors. Wow, really? Yeah. They didn't like cause more night terrors. No, like... I, I, I would have thought so too. But yeah, I was I had really bad night terrors as a child, and. Uh, and when I started watching horror movies, um, they 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 started getting better and then eventually went away. Oh shit! And I think I and I finally figured out why. I think it was I think it was um, what's his name? What's his name? Sandman writer. Uh, Neil oh. Gaiman. Neil yeah. Gaiman. I think he says something yeah. to the effect of uh, fairy. He says something to the effect of fairy tales don't exist to tell us that dragons are real. We already know they're real. Fairy tales exist to tell us that dragons can be defeated. Ooh, wow! Right? And I, I feel like it when I when I read that quote, the horror movie thing made sense to me. Wow! wow. I feel like I mean, you needed an English accent when you said that quote, but it still worked. <laughs> it was it still slept. You know, it still it was still effective. Yeah, right. Ooh, I did an English accent. Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. I think if you quote an Englishman, you have to have the English accent. I think that's the uh, rule. But I'm well, gonna remember that for you, Jared. Yeah, I'm just saying. You know. I'm just like, put up or shut up. You know, that's what I said. The cool thing about that is, is right, right. I think that's actually pretty cool. But it's somewhat, if not somewhat counterintuitive at the same time, right? Because, like, my first thought was that didn't cause more night terrors. I know for me, when I was a kid, man, I'd watch those horror movies, my older brothers, and 
then after that, I was constantly with the back of the couch. <laughs> I'm with Frankie on this. I do think that um, it is definitely a, a genre that I, you know, even within the um, the framework of what we're doing here on this podcast, there's things that I don't dig now that I don't think that are particularly good within the genre. I know some people might um, disagree with me, things like The Purge. That does not make sense to me. You know what I'm saying? But mostly at a mechanical level within the purge society, I don't even see how a Congress could vote for a purge. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I digress. Uh, give, give it five years and you'll get it. All of, all of a sudden you'll be like, <laughs> oh, I completely understand yeah. now. Well, we'll see. Yeah, it was all Trump voters get to hunt us down. <laughs> oh, fuck. You know, um, like there's cats that are people of color that have long wanted to do like cool things with horror because what was the one that um uh guillermo del toro, del toro just did that he got the oscar for shape of water the shape of water right yeah. that is a movie that in all of its elements looks like it should be a horror movie right when you sit down for it it's um, most of its posture moves like that of a horror movie but it's a love story and the bad guy is the humans you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's really cool creative stuff out there that I think people of color within the genre are doing. Yo, um, you guys need to, um, You guys need... Was that? What's the one that Boots Riley did? Um, um, sorry, sorry to bother you. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, that that's... that. I mean, that's more of a satire. Like, I, that's not really scary yeah, I got to me. But, but uh, you guys... you got, When HBO drops this, you guys need to check this out. It's called Love Cunt, uh, Love Cunt. Lovecraft Count, County. Oh. Have you guys read the book? I have not. Oh, it's so good. It's it's like it's a, it takes place in Jim Crow 1950s America, and it's about um, this black um, son, like he's like you know 20s or whatever, who's trying to find his father, yeah. who's like in who's like lost in the South, right? But amidst all this yeah. is all this Lovecraft stuff, and and they find this way to make racism, like like a cosmic horror, you know, like Lovecraft is about that. Lovecraft is kind of like this sci-fi horror, like a, like an evil, so evil. So, so, so dark, uh, that like your mind can't even comprehend it. Or when you understand it, you go crazy. And, and so the book sort of like paints racism in that light of like a concept so terrifying and horrible that like it drives people kind of insane. It's amazing. Like the, the least the book is like, you know, hopefully the TV show is, is produced by Jordan Peele. Um, hopefully oh. they'll tap into it and it'll kill it. It's like an HBO show is coming on soon. I don't know when, sometime this year. But yeah, people. Wait, wait, it's called Lovecraft, but does it have to do with H.P. Lovecraft? Yeah, yeah, stuff? yeah. So it's oh, like yeah. it's it inter- it's intertwining his lore into like a whole new. Okay, it's intertwining his lore with Jim Crow uh, politics, uh, with these uh, all wow. pretty much black cast of of characters trying to survive. Like I said, trying to survive like Lovecraftian horror. Which is also, uh, uh, you know, uh, white racism. Like it's, oh man, it's 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 real well done. The book, uh, the book slaps, but uh, hopefully the show will as well. But um, we're checking out. Nice. Or you know, I say read, but I mean what I mean is listen, because that's how <laughs> I enjoyed it. that's how I enjoyed it. Uh, but um, what about um, you? Jim? What have you been um, reading or, or watching? Man? See, I'm not like Frankie. Frankie's a wise man. He's like, you know what? There's important stuff going on in the world. I need to concentrate on that. I'm like, oh man, there's important stuff going on in the world. I need to run away from that as far as possible. <laughs> I need to go someplace that uh, where none of that stuff exists, and I can just enjoy wow. it. Um, so uh, I've actually been reading a couple, a uh, couple comics. Um, I, I just, I'm, I caught up on. Um, 
Brian Michael Bendis's Superman run, wow. which um, which I really enjoy. Like, um, you know, especially in these dark times, yeah. uh, you know, it's always good to have some kind of like, it's just good looking on a page and saying, oh, man, that's a cool white man. Like, I like that white man. He's a cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Or, or even any white man. Just here's a person who has all this power, and he uses it responsibly. He uses it to to help people and to shape his world in a positive way. Uh, then you know, you know, especially when you're watching the news and you see, oh, here's all these people with all this power, and they use it in the opposite way, right? They 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 use it uh, for self interest, and 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 um, they use it, you know, uh, laced with fear. You know, like Superman is is the most fearless. Uh, right person you could think of, right? So, uh, but it's good stuff. I mean, you know, it's. I'm not sure if you guys read a lot of Brian Michael Bendis stuff. Uh, you know, he's a he's an author uh, who what wrote. He's, oh wait, you're talking about not just his comics, right? No, well, his comics. I mean, I mean, mostly he writes comics. So, I mean, like you know, he created uh, Miles Morales. Uh, yeah. He, uh, you know, he had a seminal uh, Daredevil run that I loved. I mean, like which uh, Daredevil. Uh, was that? Oh, he wrote. Uh, he outed Daredevil like in the, like the early or mid to early thousands kind of thing. Um, great story. I, I think it's literally called Out, and he outed Matt Murdock as Daredevil. Like the newspaper printed, oh, Matt Murdock is Daredevil, and his life just fell apart afterwards. But um, he wrote the Avengers. He wrote the Avengers for a while. Like the Age of Ultron moniker was his. So he's been in, into comics for a long time, uh, especially Marvel. But recently he went to D.C. and he, he's been writing Superman. Um, and it's been an interesting take on the character. And recently what they're covering is uh, Superman reveals who he is. He reveals his identity to the world. Uh, and his yeah. logic is, you know, he's tired of lying to people. Like, Because Superman's a journalist, right? So it's like Superman is the truth. His, his profession is. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's Frank. <laughs> you know, it's Frankie's dog. Oh, yeah. What's your dog's Frank. name? You got now. Now that now the motherfuckers on the podcast, we gotta know what's the dog's yeah. name. Well, introduce Marley. She, Marty. She, Marley. Marley. Okay. She got a little angry at what, what you were saying, bro. <laughs> she didn't agree. She's very opinionated. Damn, straight up. I was also like, I, I'm curious. Is is can a Kryptonian be white if they if they're under a red sun? I mean, look. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't, technically, I don't know. He's a, technically, he's an alien, right? But he can pass, right? Actually, a buddy of mine, he has a, he has a theory <laughs> about, like, Man of Steel being, like, a mulatto escape. Like, the whole idea behind the Man of Steel being, like, he, Superman's a black guy who can pass. Essentially, that's what Superman is. He's a black man who can pass. He calls it, I think he calls it the mulatto escape hatch. And, yeah. and the idea of it is, you know, yeah, Superman is going through all these issues black people go through, all these feelings uh, or not even black people, just like, you know, people who look different go through in a society where they're trying to uh, sort of make their mark and fit in, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and he could pass. Just get so, by. Was that? Or just get by. Or just get by, right. But, and he can, right? Because, like, you look at him, you're like, oh, no, that, that, guy, that guy is just a good old boy. But really, no, he's an alien. You know, he's not like you. And, uh, and he has something to say about it. That's all about Superman. He has a lot of responsibility. Uh, he has all this, all this power, and, and he uses it responsibly. He uses it in a way to improve the world when really he could just be like, I'm just going to, you know, slink in here and just hopefully no one will notice me. You know what I mean? He's like, no. I don't, I don't know if that's completely accurate, Jared. Okay. I mean, he's, still, he's still navigating from a place of privilege, right? 
Yeah. He is the most powerful being on the planet or even in the solar system or the galaxy. And his decision, he, he has the privilege to make the decision to do what he thinks is the right thing, right? right. So, he, so, so, so um, I don't know. I don't know if he's the, the wholesome, well, you know, corn-fed, uh, <laughs> guy that we, we think he is. But that's what I'm saying is, like, he doesn't have to make the right decision, right? I mean, he has that privilege. He, he, he can yeah. literally say, I don't have to do the right thing because I don't need to. I'm the most powerful person in the world. If I want to do this, who's going to stop me? But he doesn't do that, right? But he, again, he, he still, still makes gets, those right he, decisions. He still gets to decide what the right decision is, right? So, and, and this is, and, and, you know, and we'll get into it later with the X-Men, mm. right, when we talk about it. But this is what I was, I was noticing in, in, in the book. Um, you know, right, right is relative, right? Right. It's yeah. relative to what position you're in, you know, and and, uh, and everyone else thought they were right. Magneto thinks he's right. 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 And and uh, and and some people would call him an extremist when when it when it contrasts their opinion of right. 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 And he's trying to protect his people. So yeah. so it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's it's like okay, he's making a decision from a privileged. It's like Batman. Right, it's yeah. like Batman in the Dark Knight saying, you know, stopping other people from dressing up and going out and trying to fight crime when they're inspired by this action. And he's like, oh, you know, oh no, I only I get to do it. Why? Because I'm not wearing hockey pads. So you're telling me that because of your privilege, right, which was not earned but what is inherited, just right. given to you, you get to decide what I do with my life and what's right and wrong. So when you yeah. do it, it's okay, and when I do it, it's not okay. So but, but, from but, position but, of, of uh, ultimate power, which which in like in like on a without superpowers, right? right. Bat, Batman's like the most powerful. Tony Stark is the most powerful. Well, not even Tony. Yeah, Tony Stark is the most powerful uh, individual on the planet, right? Because he's he well, he's super smart, but he's also super wealthy and he's white. Right, right. You know, so he gets to make these decisions. So that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like Superman's still in this position where he gets to decide what is right for everybody or See, what he's gonna allow. But what makes Superman different from Batman and from Iron Man, I'd argue, and, and like I said, that's, once again, this is part of the fiction, right? Like, you know, if Superman was real, then you're right, but he's not real. I mean, that's the whole point of Superman is that there, there, maybe there can be inalienable truths that you could stand up for, and that's what Superman stands up for. And you're right. In real life, this is a lot murkier subjects and, and material, but what's great about Superman is, again, in, the, in that world, you can believe that there are things that are just right to stand up for, you know, that and, and Superman stands up for those rights. Um, and sure, there are things that aren't right to stand up for, but Superman doesn't stand up for those things. And, a, you know, and like I said, a lot of it is, you know, the reader sort of like putting their own me putting my own bullshit to him. Right. But 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 that's the beauty of Superman. Right. Is that he represents what is good right he represents what is true um and there, there's no like i said there's what's great about especially bendis's run is is the idea of like it's not an accident that he's a reporter right like he didn't come here and said i'm just going to rule the world he came here and said i'm going to figure out what this world is i'm going to figure out and and you know and the way they they write clark Kent is he's not telling stories about all oh, these superheroes are fighting each other. He's the one that's going into the ghettos and being like, "What? What's your story? Like, what, what's happening here? Like, like he he is that character, right? Like, and again, you know, it all depends on who writes them, right? When Zack Snyder did him, he was kind of a prick. <laughs> Wait, but again, I mean, and, and, let me oh, Shazam okay. this real quick, Jared. Um, 
there's there's but that even has a degree of privilege in and of itself right because to some extent the the story between batman and superman as the two primary characters within um dc comics is that batman is the supposed to be practical about what's going on out there in many ways even though you know now we're talking depends on which batman we're talking about we're talking about an ultra aggressive batman that's either shooting people or choking them out right that's, but Bat- I, that's only that's Batman's only setting. He is, <laughs> yeah. He has to be aggressive because he's human, and if he fucks yeah. up, he's dead, right? Exactly. So, yeah. I, I, but I'm saying that's not necessarily material to to my point. My point is that DC has most of the time set them. The reason why they they're somewhat set apart is that Batman has always been the idea that this is what is practically happening, not idealistically happening. And Superman's always been the guy who's the idealist, like, well, this is how the world should run. And Batman's the one who's been saying, like, well, this is how the world is, and we need to deal with it now. But I think that um, the other end, if I may um, cite slightly with Frankie here, is that there's a degree of privilege in the the, the, uh, the fact that you get to punch down. And, and Superman's always punching down, so those decisions are different for him. The rest of the superheroes are punching up to some extent, so the, the so the decisions that they would make about right or wrong or the things they have to do come with a um, the stakes are higher for them. Right. Whereas I think for Superman, because he's because virtually everybody else is less powerful for him to some extent, it carries more responsibility for him at the same time. Anyways, no, no, that. I mean like I, I I I'm not saying he's not privileged. I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, in a world where privileged people constantly misuse their power there's something there's something reassuring about a the most privileged creature in the universe yeah uh, using his power for good there's something about that that in these times is reassuring i mean you're right i'm not i'm not i'm not arguing that i'm not arguing that he's not privileged his power doesn't come from a place of privilege i'm saying for me what's reassuring about superman especially in this world that i found from reading these stories now is uh is like i said it's just nice to see People with in power use their power um, for something inalienable, inalienable, inalienably true. Yeah. And and when even when they don't know, questioning whether or not they are doing the right thing, right? Like like, like it, it's just like you say, it, it's something that uh, it's just reassuring these times. But I, I totally agree with you guys. Yes, I think that that's beautiful, Ellen. Jared. I think it's really beautiful in a in a really amazingly romantic. You, Superman. Uh huh. You're also, patronizing. But, and I don't want to. I don't want to be the fart. I don't want to be the fart in your soup bowl, bro. But, but, uh, but I'm just saying the the example that you use was like he chooses to be a reporter and he goes into the ghetto and asks and asks them uh, why is it why why is this like what do you think is like this, right? And it's like it's like here is almost omnipotent creature. Yeah. Has the power to change that fundamentally. Yeah. Right. There it is. He's going in and asking questions. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you know, that's 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 again, that's why I like this run, right? Is because because like I said, again, it's something that they don't ignore, right? A lot of Superman stories ignore that angle of, of the character, right? What you're saying here, it's like he's so strong, why not change everything for the good, right? Um, but uh like I'm not sure if you guys have read All Star Superman, but um and like I said, you may Here's the thing. I if read he was, all if, if, a while if, ago. If he was real, I'd be like, yo, you guys are right. Fuck that dude, right? He should be doing more. But he's not real, right? He's an idea. And as an idea, he represents something. And I think I think I think the character at his best 
is about inspiring you to be that change in the world, inspiring you to do what you need to do. And I'm not saying he's the best character, right? Like, he's not my favorite character, but same time, I feel like it's important to have a character like Superman in the world, you know, like as an idea. So many analogs, right? That's why there's so many um, analogs of Superman. Because he is kind of a necessary character to have, because you need someone with with power to have foibles. Yeah, right? that's true. You know? I, I don't know. I'm, I think I think Superman is a bad guy. He's just kind of like an old sort of like I don't know. I I, I love that. I love the Dark Knight Returns. That was my book for a bit, right? But I just feel like I'm at a point in my life yeah. where like the idea of Superman being this villain is just sort of boring to me. Like I I'd rather someone try to actually earnestly approach Superman. Even the stuff Frankie's talking about, bring that stuff up, right? Like like let's talk about privilege. Let's talk about yeah. what's how you should use it, and if, if there even is a white right way to use it, right? Like I, I think that's a more interesting sort of uh, take on that character that I'm interested in, and, I, and that's what I like about the Bendis run is like, you know, there's definitely Bendis isms that if you're not a big Brian Michael Bendis fan, you probably aren't gonna be a fan of this. But you can get if you can get kind of past all those kind of like idiosyncrasies. idiosyncrasies. I said that wrong, but you know what I'm saying. Um, then I think uh, there's a lot to enjoy here because they they do talk about. Um, those questions, but whatever. I didn't mean to get. I'm not trying to get the big thing. I'm just telling you guys what I was well, reading. That just became our topic. <laughs> Goddamn. Now, if you only want to know what you've been watching and what you've been reading, hey man. Well, real quick before I, you know, I, I take my turn. You've been watching right. any? Uh, you know, I'm not really. I watch a lot of YouTube, man. I watch a lot of bullshit YouTube stuff. Oh, that that you like, that's not even genre, man. It's just straight up. Yeah. Um, watch influencers on uh, YouTube, I imagine, right? What's that? You've been watching influencers. No, I know, right? You know, I watch, I watch like annoying. I like something about like, cause I, you know, while I'm drawing, I'm, I'm watching stuff. So like, I can't watch something too good because then I'm like concentrating on, I'm not getting work yeah. done. But I, I don't want something boring or something that makes me mad because then like I won't get work done because I'll be so just like fuck this guy, right? So, yeah. so like, uh, sorry, sorry, I'm not sure. Are we allowed to cut? I can't remember. <laughs> it's all good. Don't worry about it. Cool, cool. Um, so I gotta Super, watch like Superman stuff. wouldn't cuss. I'm just saying. <laughs> but I'm saying I'm trying to be like Superman, dog. I'm trying to get better at it. You know what I mean? Like, um, but yeah, I'm not watching. I'm not watching, watching anything interesting. I'm playing video games, interesting stuff. I think, but, um, but yeah, I don't get into that. We'll get we'll get into that another time. What do you, what do you, what do you, what are you reading? What are you watching, Jared? Man, I'm reading and watching all kinds of crap, man. Because the thing about it is, is that you know, right now, since you know, I um. You know, since I'm essentially home all day, you know, if I'm not trying to figure out what's up with the cafe uh, from home, because, you know, my partner is the one that's actually at the at the at whatever is going on with um with coffee. He's the one who's actually physically there. But, you know, a lot of the stuff dealing with like, um, you know, the the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Plan and stuff like that has been, you know, has been kind of my responsibility because for the most part, you know, um, I got both my daughters home. And so, man, it's like three square meals. It's essentially being a teacher and a disciplinarian for essentially all day long. But I'll tell you, man, when my daughter takes a nap where I'm just decompressing on like reading and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and binging and stuff, man. Right, and right. And so it's, it's been pretty good, man. You know, I've been able to catch up on a few things and stuff, man. You know, I read that book by Octavia Butler, uh, Fletch, you know, Fletching, which is really cool. Um, I finished that book by Chad Lowry, which is called uh, Soldiers Unknown, which is a dope story, man. I'm going to pass it to you guys. Yeah, it's basically, um, it's a World War, it's a World War One story about, about, um, 
these um, American Indian kids who are, you know, of age that essentially are, you know, they get their papers for conscription into the military to go overseas and fight in the war. But it's a linear story. This story does not take place over years. It's not a graphic novel that takes place over years. It basically, once they get their papers that they're going to war, they send them to war, they fight in the war, and stuff happens in the war, and some of them come home. That's it. Like, the story is, um, it's pretty concise and emotional because it's a lot of battlefield stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's just these guys dealing with the battlefield. The funny thing about it is, I mean, you guys, I mean, um, I think by the time all of us got into comics, we were reading fantastic comics. Journey in the Mystery kind of got it started for um, Timely Comics or Marvel, whatever one you want to call. And Action Comics and stuff going on in D.C., was, had long since also been dealing with the fantastic Superman stuff. But remember, before all that, it was these war comic books, right? These comic books about war. But I don't know about you guys, those had zero interest for me. It was before our time, you know? We're, we, were raised, we were raised on G.I. Joe. Like, there, there wasn't, like, yeah, there wasn't, yeah. like, gimmicks to each soldier. So it was like, what's the, who yeah. cares, you know? Yeah. Exactly, yeah, Storm Shadow and stuff, man. <laughs> Where's the ninja at? This is bullshit. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But this is a compelling story, man. You guys would dig it because it, it um, a lot of it deals with this space between these guys leaving the reservation, going to war, and what it means to come back after that. And then all these little things, but they're all very, very subtle. It's it's an amazing book. It was beautiful. Um, and this cat Chad Glowry, man, he, um, you know, I, I give him all the credit in the world. I want to pass it on to you, and if I get the chance, maybe um, speak a what's, little bit more about it. What's it called again? It's called Soldiers Unknown. Soldiers unknown. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 a good piece of work, man. Um, I read Happy. Um, you guys, oh, I don't shit. know how much Grant Morrison stuff, man. But, um, you know, the thing about it was was that um, I remember Happy when it came out, and I saw it at the comic book shop, and I wanted to read it, but it was one of those things where I was, you know, buying like my normal box and normal stuff that was normal on my pull list, and I was like, man, I don't have enough money or time for anything else right now. But anyways, when I saw that that um, Chris Maloney is it Chris Maloney from uh, SVU? Yeah. Sorry, I like Chris That's Maloney. A stabler. Yeah, Stabler. He's a good <laughs> comedic actor, man. And um, so when I saw that he was in it, I'm like, man, he's the um, the Netflix adaptation of it. At that point, I decided, well, let me go back and read the graphic novel. So I read the graphic novel, then watched the series, which they did a great adaptation. It's just nuts, man. So I, I would recommend that if anyone has a chance to um, read that, read it. It's really, really good and stuff, man. I, I dug it and stuff. It's like my one Grant Morrison blind spot. Like, I've read pretty much everything Grant Morrison yeah. has written, but I haven't read Happy for whatever reason. Um, it's, I got to jump into it. Well, it's a cop story, man, so you'd probably dig it and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Are you trying to call me a cop? Are you trying, are you trying to wrap me? Are you trying, <laughs> trying to out me? What's up, no, man? not like that, man. I know I'm not calling you a Minneapolis cop. You know what I'm saying? I'm not calling anything like that, man, but... No, it's, it's. Have you read the We Three? Oh yeah, yeah. That was a great. That was a oh, great okay. book, man. Look on your face, made me go. Oh, are you about to say about We Three, Frankie? We about to hang up right now. We about to let him. <laughs> no, that was. I really enjoyed that book. Yeah, that was my. Was great. Probably, my yeah. most, the most memorable uh, Grant Morrison book for me. For real. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Um, I um, but I finished a few things. I'm gonna be honest with you guys, man. When COVID locked us down, man, I went back and watched all the Marvel movies. Man. All right. Yeah, you just you just reminded me. I just I forgot something. I just for the first time watched Captain Marvel. Oh shit! And yeah. and, uh, and I 
realize why I waited so long to watch it. Oh, man, I knew you were going to say it. Yeah. It was so bad, bro. <laughs> it was, you know, again, I appreciate what that movie does, especially when I, I met, like, like uh, I met, like, more than a few, you know, uh, girls, you know, children yeah. who just love that movie. But, yeah, I think that movie's kind of trash. It's not trash. It's just generic in a way that most, that even Martin, Phase one Marvel movies, are. you know what I mean? Like, like, like it, it was. I expected more from that movie. I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of with Frankie on that. Uh, yeah, I expected a lot more too. It did what I expected it to. It's not a great movie, but I, I expected to fill gaps. You so when, when, when did you watch that one? Where, where did that fall into the, uh, the 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 marathon? Because technically, well, watched, that, that was second. I think that's a '90s movie, right? Yeah, right. Actually, I watched that one in order because most Ooh. of it. <laughs> I know, I know. I watched it in its order of release. Right? Okay. <laughs> but anyways, made uh, not to digress too far off of Captain Marvel where I was before. But um, but you know what, man? Some of the things that I have I I have watched other than Happy, like I mean, um, which I, I'm hoping to make a future episode with you guys. But I'm just gonna mention it. My wife got me to watch this show called Upload, and um, yeah, her was good. I've been hearing good things about that show. Yeah. The reason I want you guys to watch it, I want to talk about in the future, even considering like what Tendai has written, um, Tendai's graphic novel, is to discuss, I think, um, what's happening with sci-fi. Because it, it fits in a, a genre of sci-fi. It's in the future. But it fits a genre of sci-fi, I think, maybe not quite where, um, uh, what's the HBO show? Now I can't think of I watch it religiously. Westworld. Westworld. I love yeah. that show. But it doesn't quite fit there because Westworld has more action. But it seems to me that the the um, the parameters of sci-fi is expanding in a way because some of these that I'm I've seen operate almost like romantic comedies in a way, even with a really good sci-fi angle. Because upload it there's a, you know the drama of it the the sci the sci-fi drama of it doesn't really kick in until almost the end of it until like maybe two thirds the way in. It's still an interesting show because of what's happening. It's interesting. But the 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 espionage of the sci-fi, the drama of the sci-fi that's in there, um, that's later, which I feel in many ways is kind of redefining how we watch sci-fi. Because I know for me, when I watch sci-fi, when I started watching sci-fi, pretty much all the sci-fi had an action angle to it, right? right? Other than maybe 2001, A Space Odyssey, all of them had some sort of um, action angle to it that said, okay, here's the sci-fi that's great, here's the fighting and the chaos that's also great. But a lot of the stuff that's coming out, which I'm not judging, I, I commend a lot of it, I think it's kind of cool, um, does something slightly different. Well, I, th I think when we were coming up, all sci-fi, we, we were the audience for sci-fi, right? So yeah. it was like boys, essentially. It's like, so boys yeah. like action, so Earth's got the action. Yeah. What's great about sci-fi and fantasy now is there's so many people who uh, are into it, who, like, my mom, my yeah. mom's seen the Marvel movies more than I have, and, yeah. like, my, and I have a shrine to Thanos in my, in my house, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's crazy, so you got a lot of people who, uh, who aren't, you know, you know, uh, teenage boys yeah. uh, messing with the sci-fi stuff now, so, oh. so the opportunity, it's like, it's like how in manga, like, in yeah. Japan, like, comics in Japan are, like, for everyone, so yeah. like you know you'll see like books about cooking, books about yeah. women still, and there's so much variety. Whereas in America, it's like it's still for you know it's still for guys. So, yeah. Jared, you want to introduce the danger room? Because you're. I don't know. I guess I'm. I guess I got you now. Yeah. This we are about to head 
uh, into uh, you know Derek, Derek, uh, dangerous on, territory. We're gonna talk about. Frankie's gonna do the music. Frankie's gonna that? do the music. You introduce the danger room. You are now entering, ladies and gentlemen, podcast world, a place where we're gonna talk about some crazy shit. team with the exception of maybe you know storm and and beast who is still white under all that blue fur or white yeah. um yeah. you know so so do we care about their struggle because of that right yeah uh, because they are being discriminated against so i don't know yeah. i i think i think yes and i think yes and that that's a good be. answer uh, jared i mean i i think yeah frankie pretty much I don't know. This is gonna, this is gonna be like a debate that is already off to a bad start. Because I, I mean, I agree with what Frankie said. You know, like, but I will say that the X Men, you know, it, it mm, the X Men pushes. It's it's <laughs> it's an allegory for racism that could, that I think it could, that it only goes as far as able to do in the society or the times in which it it exists. Right. So like. You know, if you compare X Men to the '60s compared to what it is now, um, right. it's it looks like night and day, right? It's night and freaking day, right? But I feel like as times progress, the people who write the comic are good about updating the the story in a way that is just about as far as you can push it before, you know, you, before you start losing, you know, your 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 cis white male uh, readers, right? So yeah, right. so, but but at the same time, like you know. Um, you know, X Men's. You know, uh, God loves, man kills, right? You know, the the story of a of a racist sort of like uh, religious zealot who uh, who you know attacks mutants, especially Nightcrawler, who you know looks like the devil, right? Like, the devil. Oh, yeah. um, and, and and what I found that the X Men has have done over the years, which I think is pretty interesting, is especially with the current run with the Jonathan Hickman House of X Powers of Ten uh, stuff, yeah. is that like. And even Grant Morrison stuff in the early 2000s, right? Like, what they do that's really interesting is they present mutantdom in a way that's foreign and uncomfortable. Yeah. But that's the point, right? The point is, change is uncomfortable, right? Like, like yeah. this, this is something that you have to wrap your head around. Um, and like I said, for me, my favorite runs again 
our Grant Morrison and I love what John John Hickman's doing just because it's like they're not giving you a choice, right? They're not they're not saying like, you know, oh, you know, mutants will always be in this corner. They're both coming out very forward saying, "No, like you're going to be the these people will replace you." And there's nothing you can really do about it, but accept yeah. it and understand it. Yeah. Um and, and and not be scared of it, you know what I mean? And, and so there's something powerful about that. But again, you know, they could definitely at any time you be the X Men if you were in that time, you could they could definitely press it, push it more. You know, X Men could definitely you know go for deeper allegories in terms of uh, of, of racism and, and and all that stuff. But um, but I, I still think they they do what they can at the time that they do. <laughs> Which, you know, maybe that's not good enough, but, you know, but it's it's definitely there. I agree with the both of you. Um, I, I guess where I would um, not disagree, but maybe expand the conversation, because I agree with Frankie, is that, yeah, remember, I think even by the time we started reading X-Men, the original X-Men weren't there. And the original X-Men were five white people, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. it was five white people. It was Angel, Beast, Iceman, uh, Cyclops, and who else? Oh, well, was Can't Mimic part of the original X-Men, no. right? Jean Grey. It came later Marvel. on. Yeah, it came with the second. Yeah, yeah, think, just, yeah. But when you got it, remember that second group that had Mimic also had um, John Proudstar. But I think what he died in the second issue. Mm-hmm. No, the first. Yeah. Issue. He, di- he died. He died. He yeah. died. Uh, or not? Maybe one second. Maybe or I think he died in Krakoa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He right. died almost immediately. Right. right. And so you, you, there was this feeling that okay, well we're gonna kind of pawn Wolverine off as a minority. Well, no, Storm was part of that group. Storm, yeah, Storm was part of that Storm group. Was part of that. Right. Nightcrawler was part of that group. Yeah, uh, Fire, Fire, was, what was the name? Firestar. Uh, yeah, Firestar, Firestar was Japanese. Like, no, like, like that. That was next that one group. of X Men were like, I mean, like, like I said, it, it came. If it came out now, it'd be a joke, right? But the time it comes out, that was kind of revolutionary. That was kind of but, like, oh shit, it, look at all this kind of like, uh, you know, yeah, um, look at look at all this representation, right? Real quick, you guys, are we talking about Firestar or Sunfire? Sunfire. 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 The Sunfire. Firestar was part of Spider-Man is Amazing Friends. Yeah, that's, no, you're right. Sunfire. That's right. Sunfire. You got it. Sunfire. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you caught that. You mean the redhead? The. Yeah. I, I wanted to make sure we were on the right page here and stuff. Cause I was like, I don't remember that and stuff. Yeah, I knew, I knew Fire was in the name. Fire was in the name, no doubt, no doubt. But you I get think a half point, Frank, you get a half point. Yeah. They, I think Sunfire spent very little time as a, a, a main member of the, of the team, but I, but that's somewhat inconsequential. You're right, even that second group with Colossus, and remember, what's his name, even and even though he was blue, he was, a, you know, he was really just German, right? So German, I'm, yeah. I'm talking with Frankie that Beast and, and um, Nightcrawl don't necessarily even count, right? Really? Because, but that, well, that... I mean, well, I, don't, I mean, yeah. they count as being blue, but they're just, they're mutants like anyone else. I'm saying that they're, now, the one thing, one reason I would say that Nightcrawler would probably count more than Beast, because if I'm not mistaken, Nightcrawler was born Yeah. in the sure. comics. He was born blue, so he basically lived his entire life the way, you know, you know, people, you know, people of color in the real world live their entire life, right? Right. So, I mean, I'll, I'll but Beast turned himself blue, and that's a slight, <laughs> or maybe secondary mutation, whatever. Um... Uh, which is a weird thing to kind of think about when you compare it to like blackness it's like can a white person just turn themselves black can you fuck up that much as a white man and end up black you know (laughs) 
remember what Chris Rock said. He said, you know, there's no white person in this audience that would want to be me, and I'm rich. <laughs> it's one of it's. I'll step away from that. But anyway, and, no, and also, were they discriminated against because they were blue or because they look like monsters? Yeah. They look like monsters. I mean, but that, but that's the power that it's. Again, these aren't real, right? These are allegories, right? And like, that's what that allegory is trying to say. Is like the way they were treated. It was it was how the allegory was presented, right? It wasn't like they were like they're literally fighting for their rights. They're really literally fighting for their right to exist and, and to live and to love. Like uh, there was a uh, you know story with Nightcrawler where he's in an inter I guess inner species relationship I suppose yeah. with a white woman. You know what I mean? And it's like yeah sure he's blue, but it, for the purposes of the story they're telling he's black. And like I said, it's problematic that. You know, there there aren't more stories at Marvel or DC that's just straight up just about a black person, right? Yeah. But uh, but Mutant Dumb, they took the time to tell those stories. They just did it with a blue guy. But I mean, but like that's the power. That's sort of the um, that's what sci-fi and fantasy does, right? They present these issues um, in a way that you almost forget that it's like, oh, you're actually trying to say something about the world yeah. we live in right now. You know, um, well, that's, that's, that's part of the. I'm sorry, go on, Frankie. I was going to say that 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 also puts them in in categories as mutants, right? Yeah. Because it, because if if they're if they're being represented as like black, for being you know blue and monsters, but the first the original five X Men were white and they're still getting the same discrimination, right? Um, but but now we have levels of discrimination within the same group, but they're all mutants. Right. Well, if I may um, get in there on what Frankie's talking about, remember that is not some that is something that has been. A through line of all of X-Men. Remember, the Morlocks exist for a reason in the X-Men. Mm -hmm. The whole point of the Morlocks was to say that there are X, there, are, you know, it's like when we talk about colorism, right? It's like when we talk about, um, like nowadays, like when we talk about, or when we talk about passing, right? Because remember, like the new influx of, of Latino immigrants now are not coming from Northern, you know, when we talk about, we don't talk about um, North, Northern Mexicanos, right? We don't even talk about Boricuas and stuff like that. We're talking about like Guatemalans and stuff like that. We're talking about people who are my who are from the Maya, way darker complexion, way shorter, you know what I'm saying, in many ways, in terms of uh, you know, you know, gene pool, ethnicity, the whole nine yards. But same thing goes for with um uh with people uh, uh, black people, right? That colorism matters, right? What is the complexion? How dark is a, is this black dude? How dark is this, you know, um uh the complexion of Latinos, right? We know that these things exist and how well um, people are able to pass, if not pass, how much the threat level is, right? Because the thing about it is that, you know, when we talk about dark-skinned black men, for some reason, the threat level seems to be risen, seems to rise a little bit. And the same thing can be said Wesley about... Wesley Snipes is deadly, dog. No doubt, right? I've seen Wesley him Snipes is the deadliest man in the world. He's also, uh, coincidentally, the darkest man in the world. So. Yeah, I'm just saying that's facts right there. That's just all that is. That's facts. No doubt. I'm just saying, but you know, in many ways, like when we look at um, the way we see people's complexion, that can say something as well, right? About how we look at, um, you know, how, how what we're willing to accept and what we're willing to be afraid of, right? Or what we allow ourselves. That's that goes to when we talk about implicit bias, right? And I think that some of those things are reflected in that story with Morlocks, right? Because the Morlocks are saying that we look like monsters and you guys don't because remember there was that period um in x-men where they had those image inducers yeah yeah that's right high, yeah 
and he would look like a normal human being, right? Right, right. And so, you know, and even to the, you know, to some of their credit, they kind of dealt with that in the recent run of the X-Men movies, right? It was that idea of like, well, you know, um, do you accept that you're blue? And the funny thing about it was, which is counterintuitive, um, uh, what's Jennifer's? Uh, Jennifer um, Lawrence, Mystique. Lawrence. She ran around the whole time trying to convince people to be themselves the whole time. She looked like Jennifer Lawrence and not Yeah, Steve. yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> that was real dumb. Uh, but anyways, that's not what I was going to say, my, my point about the X-Men. What I was getting in, what I was going to say about the X-Men, the one thing I will say to um to say what is positive, why it still works a little bit as an allegory, or um if not a metaphor, is that one of my favorite runs of X-Men, I, can't, I think it was Claremont who wrote it, it was the Asteroid M um, series that ran, I think it was like in 2000. I remember it started with X-Men number one. And oh. it was when... Um, and the it was Fatal when, Attractions? What? The Fatal Attractions run? It or? wasn't Fatal Attractions. That series was just called X-Men. Yeah, was that was in 2000. That was like the night. That was like the famous Jim Lee, Chris Claremont. Yeah, Jim Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. But do you remember, um, you know, basically Magneto steals all these nuclear weapons, launches Asteroid M, and he's just basically floating in in outer space with with nuclear weapons and he's basically saying look uh, we're now a country like anyone else there's other countries out there with nuclear weapons we got off of your planet so you don't have to be worried about us infecting your people we're up here in outer space now there's there's um seven other um countries on the planet earth with nuclear weapons now we're just one in outer space with nuclear weapons we won't use them if you don't mess with us we won't mess with you now of course the humans on planet earth cannot help it but mess with them but I don't know if you remember the last thing that happens when they um, when Asteroid M is about to go down. Uh, Magneto decides he's going to launch these nukes. And the thing he says to Professor X, when the end comes, we will not go like sheep to the slaughter, but like lions. About this idea that, you know what, you can only push people so far. And some of it is kind of like with the defund the police movement right now, with people in the streets for 15 days straight. You know what I'm saying? Taking over downtown right now, Seattle and shit. Yeah, because, or yeah, you're right. Like, what is that, Shaz and Shia? Shaz, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like a wounded animal in a corner, right? They'll, they're they're going to fight for their lives. What I always kind of liked about X-Men is that they, obviously those things aren't true. You know, there's not a point yet so far where, where African-Americans and Latinos have gotten to the point where like, well, we're going to grab a bunch of guns and rise up. That's a bunch of people over in the, you know, in the woods in Oregon, right? Uh-huh. That's not Latinos and that's not African-Americans. But... It's a bit of a warning to some extent that, you know, you can push people to a point where, you know, their back is against the wall. And to some extent, that's what it felt like. Granted, I'm not talking about with guns or blowing shit up and stuff in real life, but people in the street demanding something. You know, one of the things that um, that I have written is about looting. Everyone was coming down on looters. It's not to mean to say that I believe in looting, but it's meant to say that it's a recognition of anger. It's a recognition of mortification and humiliation and being oppressed to some extent that, you you know, especially when you feel like there's no other recourse or way out. And I feel there's a lot of different runs that I've done. That I feel like this the run that we're, we're attempting to talk about tonight does some of that. But also it also talks about some of the consequences, because the consequences in this run are that in try, attempting to over police mutants, you guys basically let the cat, not the cat out of the bag, but essentially kind of set the alien loose, right? Yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know, when I say the alien, I'm talking about the xenomorph, right? Yeah, you know, you, you drove them to that extreme, right? Like, yeah. like, I, like I saw, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, 
I saw people talk about the. You guys see the Dave Chappelle thing, the Dave Chappelle twenty minute stand up thing he did, yeah. where he talks about like someone, Candace Owens or somebody saying like, you know, why did you pick this, you know, this guy as your martyr? Why this imperfect guy? And it's like we yeah. didn't pick him, you guys did, and it's it's yeah. almost that's how it feels like mutantdom in this John Hickman run is at, where it's just like you guys drove us here, like we yeah. we 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 wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for uh, your actions. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, yeah. No, I mean, because I mean, Michael Eric Dyson has a similar quote in um, his book, um, Debating Race, where he says that saints don't make for good role models. Huh. You know, and because essentially what he's saying is that we need imperfect people. We need imperfect people who are attempting to change their lives or have changed their lives to be our role models. And someone like George Floyd makes an excellent role model, right? Not an excellent role model necessarily in terms of how to rule our lives, but an excellent role model in in the struggle with x-men i do think that x-men what i do like i believe that they have tried to show stories over and over and over again magnino has ever really succeeded but it's about the attempts to some extent and being wary of those attempts that there might there could be a group of people that are finally like you know what forget this you know what i'm saying we keep trying because that's even what's going on with the defund the police movement is that people said you know what what um tim scott out of south carolina and the Republicans are trying to do is not enough, right? We've already done all the research about you know how often African American Latino people are stopped by police. We've already done the research on chokeholds. We've already done the research on no knock warrants. We've already done the research on racism. We're saying we've already done those things. So let's do something for real now. Now we need to actually put our teeth into this thing and actually try to make it work. Was it um, Senator Kelly or President Kelly in the X Men? You need to do something for real, or what's going to happen? Eventually, these people are going to strike back. Within the X Men series, that were always kind of like, well, you know what? We shouldn't be trying to do it Professor X's way. We should be doing it our way. X Men and humans and X Men were dealing with an existential threat, which is different from race, right? Right. Right. This is where I say that it doesn't actually fit. The truest thing I think that was said in the X Men movies. Um, by the character who played Trask. What's my man's name? Dinklage. Dink. Yeah, Dinklage from the Station yeah. Agent and also the, also the Thor movie. Station Agent? You said, yeah. you said Peter Dinklage from the Station Agent? Was he, he was on Netflix, right? Yeah, he was, but that's just usually not the first thing people think of when they think of Peter Dinklage. <laughs> but he was, did you ever see Netflix? He was great in it. No, he was. I'm just saying, when someone thinks about Peter Dinklage, they're not like, oh, yeah, the Station Agent. I'm just saying. Yeah, he's, it was a he's been thing. in something else that was probably a little bit more popular than the station agent, I would say. <laughs> I don't know. That's what always pops in my head. No, no, I got you. I got you. I, but I will say this. In, in the defense of humans like Trask and some of those guys is that what is being proposed to some extent is a wholesale replacement, not unlike how we replace Neanderthal, right? Right, right. And so they are facing something far more existential to some extent than race. Even though, obviously, you know, I'm down for the cause and stuff like well, that. I'm not a sellout. I don't know about that, right? Like, you know, there's all these uh, demograph demographers. Is that how you say that? Demogra I feel like I've seen that word spell. I could spell that word. I just can't say that word. But yeah, uh, these people who studied, yeah, demographics uh, yeah. are saying that, you know, uh, by what, 2040, 2044, yeah. something like that that yeah. white people will no longer be the majority in this country. So, I mean, like, so I don't think it is very, I think I think a lot of the um, resistance we're seeing to movements like Black Lives Matter is that same 
thought that same process of like of someone saying like I'm about to be replaced. Like the the base of power that I have and influence is literally about to be uh, replaced by something that I don't understand and that scares me. You know, and, and so you know, it, it, you know, and it, you know, in America and maybe around the world, you know, we just you know give our, our our police bigger and bigger guns and bigger and bigger tanks, but. You know, in in X Men, they build Sentinels and they build you know they build master molds to uh, yeah. pump out uh, you know mutant killing and policing robots. You know, like, I I still think that it, yeah I still think that idea uh, still tracks. Um, even I agree through, with you on that. This is what I do think is cool in this series, and it's also because what I, if I may get into it, I dig that they brought Rim, uh, Rimrod. <laughs> I like that they brought Nimrod, not Rimrod. <laughs> Rimrod sounds like his porn name. Rimrod. I seen that movie. It was all right. I thought you were in that movie, Jared. That wasn't you. Oh, that my bad. Yeah, I'm Rob. Yeah, I'm not trying to brag. I have to dig Nimrod. But what I do dig about the idea in this story that they're putting out is that it's the it's the control that they tried to set forth that gets out of control. And that control eventually consumes humans too, right? right? And that's what's cool about it. I think that's awesome. Is that it's, it's like what Malcolm X said after the death of um, after John F. Kennedy was um assassinated. Malcolm X said, you know, that's that's white people's um, violence coming home to roost, right? Do you prefer order or do you prefer justice, right? Because you can't necessarily always have both at the same time. Right. And right. so you know, some of us choose justice and say, you know what, we'll deal with a little bit of disorder and chaos. As long as justice exists, which one is more important? Order could be authoritarian order. Yeah. We just want to be able to walk outside and make sure that, you know, that the person that's driving down the road is doing the speed limit. Well, there's all kinds of authoritarian ways that we can accomplish that. But those things do not necessarily equate to justice. And I kind of I dig that what's happening in this is they're saying that what, Rim, what Nimrod, that's said again, <laughs> What Nimrod and what those um, future Sentinels were looking at was a way of just constant order. That it's what the humans set forth. And I think that there's a way that you can relate that back to what you were saying in terms of policing. Right. And which I'm hoping is going in a different direction now. But when you're saying that when the military was giving all of these tanks and better weapons to police, the only thing they were increasing with that was increasing order. They weren't helping justice. Right. They were just making order uglier. Anyways, that's my bit. No, that's well said. Um, well, I think well the storyline is talking about uh, talking about um, the inevitability of evolution, right? I like he, that. I was going to get to that. I, I'm with you on that, Jared. I'm Frankie. Cause, I like it. Yeah, because I mean, because it, it, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it's it's still navigating from a place of so th- they're all existing within the same system, right? And they're trying to change something with the same system. So all of these people were raised in the system. All of it, it, all of these people, you know. Have got their ideology from uh, from this uh, this a uh, broken system, similar yeah. to here, right? So like, how is how are these ideas of change going to occur when they're still originating from that system, right? Like that hasn't been abolished that we've, we've internalized and hasn't they haven't abolished. And it's the same with the X Men, like the you know they're they're still trying to prove why they're worthy of of being here, um, be, you know, but using the same fundamental tools of that system. So that yeah. is. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, you think to... so? Like, like I guess for me, like I look at what they're doing a little bit, like of them trying to break the system, and, and you know, and and they're almost kind of like 
Like the the yeah, this particular run. Uh, Shazam. It's almost like, Shazam. Real quick, when you said oh, I said shit. Shazam. So, real quick, when you say they, are you talking about protesters now in Minneapolis and around the world? Or are you talking about within the X-Men comic? I'm talking about within the Jonathan Hickman X-Men okay. comics. Like, you know, I, I see them building a society that is very unlike the society that we live in currently, right? Like, I, I think they're, you know, they're building one where, you know, that, that doesn't even have the confines of, like, gender, you know what I mean? Or even, like, sexual fluidity you know what i mean i like like they're, they're taking a lot of things that we just do because we're part of that society building an island and saying let's do let's do this differently right um yeah. and in, in their dealings with the human world they do deal with money and stuff like that just because that's the only language that those people understand but when you get to where they live to kakroa uh yeah. the, the the new home of mutants yeah. it feels like it's all very it, it, there's a lot of intentionality of making this a place that's not like that other place. At least that, that's what I was getting from it. But yeah, and it's true. And it, it didn't it didn't happen. But there's still there's still the inevitability of corruption because because it's coming from this system, right? Yeah. So you're bringing all of these unless professor unless the you know the the telepaths are gonna wipe out all those tendencies from every individual that comes on like they implanted the language, right? Like there's like there's there's still um, there's still this this colonized philosophy that exists in the ethos, you know, of the people who were raised in the system. Yeah. Right. So so here's my question: Like, do you, do you see those colonization sort of uh, tendencies in Krokoa and how they're building the society? Not yet, because it's giving you the perspective. It's, it's giving you the the perspective. It's giving it to you from the perspective of the leaders. Okay. And the soldiers, yeah. right? We haven't even got to to like the everyday individual um, citizens. And just so people are aware, we're talking about specifically the miniseries House of X and Powers of Ten. We're not, we're, we're not, we're not talking about anything that happened after that. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, I just had to clear that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, so that, that's why, I mean, we, we, we don't know yet, right? I mean, right. you have, you have um, characters that have amnesty and are existing, like essentially getting a new slate. We got like Sabretooth and we got like, People who are traditionally villains who are now, you know, are welcome to this world with the clean slate, but yeah. still, I don't want to say victims, but but still, are are essentially victims of the system that they came from, right? So how are you gonna? But how was Saber Tooth in the story? Is that what you're huh? thinking of? Yeah. Are you thinking about what happened? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Saber Tooth is the, the biggest example. I mean, one. I first off, just as a fan, yeah. hell yeah, they brought back like 19. 80s, 90s saber tooth. Is the fur coat yes. shit, or like the weird little fur boa he has around his chest and shit. But the yeah. thing about it was, remember that what happened with saber tooth, and this is not to give too many spoilers to anyone listening who might um, decide to read this series. But what ended up happening with saber tooth was a political move in the comic, right? I mean, I, you know, it was a political move made by um, that voting council, Professor X, and. Um, and Magneto to legitimize what they were going through. Well, what so, the, like, I'm what? sorry, just uh, real fast, uh, people haven't read it. Um, essentially, there's a council who rolls over Kokoa, the new home of mutants, and yeah. they all decide amongst themselves that we need to make laws. And one of those laws is you can't kill humans. And yeah. Sabretooth broke that law. And immediately. so he, immediately, yeah. I mean, they, I guess they made those laws because of his actions, and, yeah. and they banished him. I mean, they, they yeah. banished him to a place 
probably worse than death. Um, yeah. But there was no trial, really. It wasn't a trial of yeah. his peers in any case. It was just these people um, decided, you know, hey, you know, you got to go. But I'm sorry. Go for it, Jared. I, I don't know if they were doing this on purpose in the book. Maybe it's just about how we interpret the book. When we talk about um, uh, systems, right? Because what happened in Genosha several times in the X-Men comic books was that it always fell apart. And Genosha always fell apart mostly because of internal struggle. And internal struggles that were kind of the infestation people already had in them from where they came from, right? right. You know, um, capitalism, power. You know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that all capitalism is bad, but extreme neoliberal capitalism creates extreme neoliberal people, right? I want to gain wealth at the expense of everyone else, right? That's always competition and reaching the top, so despite my community, is the best way of living my life, right? So if the world burns and I'm drinking milk and honey, well then so be it. And so I think that, you know, in the in the in the previous runs of X-Men, that has kind of been what has been the situation that Genosha would, you know, they try to bring up Genosha, but then Fabian Cortez, who was an acolyte of um, Magneto, would you know, somehow try to find power for, of his own, right? right and right. then and that would be the infestation of you know, some side of, you know, like Frankie said, some sort of colonized mind that would essentially blow up the whole situation. So it's an interesting notion. So, I mean, like, obviously within the book themselves, you, know, you have to ask the question of, like, you know, will Kokoa survive? And the answer is no, right? Like, it's, yeah. The X-Men are going to be around 10 years from now, and, you know, I'm sure someone will find a way to blow everything up and make the X-Men what, what, it, what it used to be, right? Yeah. But, like, a deeper question is, is there a place like Krakoa? Is that even possible in real life, right? Are we able to break our, our habits and, and, and our tendencies to build something better uh, and more beautiful? Like, is that even a possibility with our, I guess, kind of like our slave minds, right? Like, is, is that something we can actually do? Um, May I answer some of that? Yeah, yeah, please. I'm, I'm kind of just putting out there. When I like what Frankie mentioned, the idea of colonized minds. Obviously, you know, on... For activists, we all, you know, and, and readers, we've heard that phrase a lot of times, the idea of colonized minds. And I was re relating it specifically to Rashad Brooks, the cat who was re uh, recently shot in the back by two police officers, right? Because the thing about it was, was that even watching that, how many of us watched that and thought to ourselves like, oh man, don't fight with those cops. Oh man, don't grab that dude's taser. Oh man, don't run away. And yeah. saw that all these on all those situations, we're thinking you're going to get yourself killed. And there's a small part of us like, man, what were you thinking? Like we're we're almost halfway to the point of blaming Richard Brooks. I'm not saying you two right there, but I'm talking that I'm asking myself the question: How colonizes my own mind? I consider myself down for the cause. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, and right. Even I was there was a point where I had to, I had to rewind. This dude was asleep in his car. It should have never escalated to the situation. Dude, I'm telling you, I, keep, I tell people if that if he didn't die, that would have just been a funny little video we saw. You know what I mean? Of like of like some some cop shit, like some shit yeah. you saw on cops. If he was like a some white trash dude who did that, it would have been like, oh, maybe some sort of cops where that dude grabbed that cop's taser and chased them, and then they tased him and whatever. But yeah. but because someone died, got shot in the back over it. Now yeah. it's like it's a tragedy, right? But I, I, I but I see your point though. Yeah. Well, that, that's like the origin of the police force, right? The origin, kind of the origin of the police force, is to is to control the uh, black population, right? To keep them yeah, on right. the line, you know. But I'm sorry, um, keep on cutting you off. No, you know, I had to question myself. 
because there's a part of me like that was asking all these questions during the video, like, man, don't do that. Why are you doing this? You're going to get killed. And there's a part of me that was almost blaming him. It should have never escalated to that point. Remember that one point the dude was like, hey, man, my sister lives, you know, a block away. Can I just walk to her house? You guys can even drop me off at her house. And the cops were like, no. They never told this man that he was under arrest until they were placing cuffs on him. And then didn't even tell him why he was being placed under arrest. But once again, it's those questions of like, okay, if you're running away from a cop, well, you deserve to get shot in the back. That's a colonized mind. But but, but I guess for me, that's why, like I said, again, it's a Superman talk, right? You guys are right. Like, you know, in real life, maybe this X-Men experiment wouldn't work, right? It probably wouldn't, right? But I think that's the beauty of what they're setting up here is, you know, in this fictional world, it's an allegory. And maybe in this allegory, we can explore a a world where it does work, right? We can explore a world where we're able to somehow, yeah, maybe it's Professor X erasing the the, the effects of, 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 of years of oppression from their minds so they can come at the world with a fresh viewpoint or whatever it is. Um, there's something really uh, enticing about exploring a world where they're fed up and they're ready to make changes. They're they're ready to make the world, it, to to shape the world in, in, in the way they know it needs to be shaped. Yeah. And everyone else could be damned, right? And, you know, and there's something scary about that because, again, like, again, with Superman talk, what if they're wrong, right? What if, what if they don't know as, what, what if they're not as good at this as they think they are, right? But at some point, right? Like, at some point, like the people who took over, yeah, the 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 the, the Chaz, right? Like, or even the like the Occupy movement and stuff like that. It's like a lot of times it's just like we're just here trying to figure it out. But at least we're here trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? And like maybe we're gonna bring all this bullshit into it. But at least we're here, and at least we're asking the questions that need to be asked at this time. And uh, and you know, and and maybe we'll get it wrong. But I mean, like they're getting it wrong right now. So like. At some point, you got to ask yourself, you know, who, what kind of mistakes do you want to make? You know, ones that help you to a better, to a better world or ones that keep you in the one you're in now. Right. Um, and my, 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 my observation and my statement wasn't to, to take away from that. Right. Was right. not to say we can't, we shouldn't or can't try, but it, but it's, it's recognizing like, like the follies of our history, right. right. The follies of systems that have existed before, um, you know, seeing how this this one plays out, right? So there has to be a re-education, a dismantling of 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 the way that that we think as a as a culture, right, and as a people, in order to create that. And it's not going to happen. Like there's going to be multiple attempts, right? Which is yeah. also what's going on in, in the you know in the comic book without giving away too much. Yeah. You know, there's multiple attempts in order to find you know one. And this one is well, let's just leave. Yeah. Right. Which, 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 um, which brings an entirely different um, set of problems. Right. To just right. Leave, right. Like, oh, let's just go and do our own thing, and you know, um, you know, because because power, because power corrupts and corruption of power, constant. You know, you cannot be empowered if you have no one to be able power over to have power oh. over. Yeah. Right. Right. What I felt like when I when I talk about watching, you know, um, the murder of uh, Richard Brooks is that. It's about what we take with us, right? So I think within the X Men series, when they have is it is it Krakow or Krakatoa? Uh, Krakoa. The Achilles' heel is about what they bring with them to Krakoa, right? 
And that's what I'm saying is that what I brought, what I brought with me to that video, some of these beliefs that, you know, Hey man, you know, uh, you, you shouldn't allow yourself to feel frustrated. You should have never, um, you shouldn't have run away. And somehow I let it be his and let it be this man's fault that he got shot in the back. That's what I'm saying is that there's, and I think that's even that was true to some extent within the X-Men comic books or trying to have these separate, places that they live in right every time because they tried they tried asteroid m they tried genosha several times they've now tried this and um or, or people try to escape to live with the morlocks underground it's that they keep trying that and sometimes separation just breeds more fear right well, so that that's what's interesting about this run though is like you know xavier's dream has always been cohabitation right it's always yeah. been like we need to come together humans and mutants and figure something out but i feel like what they're doing here is because what, what always stopped it is all the infighting, right? It was always like, you feel this way, I feel this way, Apocalypse feels this way, you yeah. know, the Hellfire Club feels this way. And so you have all these people who are all under the same uh, duress, right? They're all being oppressed. They're all being hunted, right? But they're all fighting each other as well, and there's no unity. So what's great about what they're doing here is they're literally saying... We need to build something for ourselves, right? And 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 that doesn't include like us, because you know, not to spoil too much again, Frankie. That was, that was a good move. But there's a there's an issue in this run that's extraordinary. I felt like, and it's about a character running through all these multiple uh, versions of what could happen with mutants, you know. And and, I was and, and that too. Yeah, and one of them is, you know, you know, it, it, all of them end terribly, but in a different way. And some of them, you know, Magneto takes over, but it still ends bad. And one, you know, Xavier builds a utopia, and it still ends bad, you know. And so finally get to this one we're in now, in this reality, and this is the plan. This is the way they're trying to stay alive. And and and, and it's it's not out of hate, right? Like, like you, you, they're not on Krakoa saying, fuck humans, we hate these guys. They, they've just understood that uh that they uh was there's a yeah, there's a line that cyclops says to the fantastic four where it's like i spent my entire life feeling like i was less but i knew knowing for a fact i was more and and and, and i refuse to believe from here on out that i'm any that i'm less now I, I i am who i am and i'm proud of who i am but that doesn't mean i hate you you know what i mean like and so it's like is they even give humans like medicines and stuff like that. You yeah. know, they get, they're giving humans medicines and all kinds of stuff so they can live longer, so they can be prosperous. Uh, because for the mutants, it's like, it's it's not about killing and hating you. It's about loving ourselves, all yeah. of ourselves, it, everything, right? Like there's that movement in like the early 2000s where it was like, it's all hip hop, right? Like, like you know, there's all this like different hip, there's backpack hip hop, and then there's, yeah. you know, uh, gangster rap, and then there's, you know, pop rap. And at some point, like after the death of Biggie and Tupac, everyone's just like, stop the beef, let's all just come together, and it's all hip hop. It's it's all, you know, us, right? Um, and, and I feel like that's this is like the mutant moment of like it's all hip hop, you know. We're Apocalypse yeah. is now our friend, you know what I mean? Like like Sabretooth, he's got a second chance. Like like what mutants are and what we stand for, uh, it, it, it's bigger than what 
you know, the, our colonized mind told, tells us it is right. Like it's almost like like we we had the the we had the options put into our mind based on our lifestyles that was that was either we either get along with the humans or are we, it's almost like the Brechtel test but with mutants, yeah. right? It's like every conversation yeah. about <laughs> mutant savior or mutant whatever uh, mutant uh, uh, sovereignty always had to involve humans. You know what I mean? And now they finally come to this point where it's like no. Like it's just about us. It's just about, humans don't even factor into it. Outside the fact that they're gonna try to kill us, you know what I mean? Like we need to prepare for that. But well, like, the thing about it is, is that is that within the storyline, humans were inextricable, right? They couldn't be extricated from the story. If I may go back to you know, um, you know, uh, using uh, Frankie's discussion to some extent, is that the cool thing about when you're talking about uh, Moira McTaggart, right? Moira McTaggart being to some essentially the focal point of this storyline. And her living multiple, living the same life multiple times, attempting to get it right. Right. I think that's okay. It's not a spoiler to say that because that's established in the first issue, essentially. Right? Our first like three issues or something like that. I mean, yeah, it's not a crazy spoiler. I mean, it's kind of yeah, the basis of spoiler. the twelve books, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the thing, but what I do dig about that is that that notion that we are going to just say, okay, you know what, we're gonna separate ourselves. From the humans becomes something that Kimura was essentially after. I think she, well, I don't want to say how many life lives she lives. That the attempt to extricate, you know, from or extricate humans from uh, the the lives of mutants and then to live separately is something that always ends tragically. Now, so I don't know what, you know, what the writers are trying to say, but with me, it felt like they were they were trying to say that this is something that maybe has to be solved the old school Professor X way. And well, say, well, you, you don't want to say we're just going to bounce. Now, granted, they have the power, the actual physical genetic power to do right. that. And I will admit, if I was in their position, I would be tempted to do the same. Well, well you know, I, I, I mean, like, that's all well said. I mean, I, I, I agree with most of it. I, I just think that, like, I think that's the point, right? Like, it, it's, I mean, one, it's not a perfect metaphor, right? Like, I yeah. think Hickman isn't necessarily doing a story about, you know, black and brown people. He's talking about the future. You know, I think that's honestly what this X-Men story is kind of about. It's not so much about um, us as much as it is about, like, the future looks is going to look a certain way. And that way isn't the way it looks now. And, you know, it's almost like bide your time because, you know, bide your time. That's the X we're doing. They're biding their time. They're locking because the Cylons are coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> the no. Cylons are coming. That's, what, that's, that's the, the moral of the story. Yeah. You ready for the AI to take over. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, right? I mean, like, um, and, you know, also the idea of, like, I just love, like, humanity co-opting their culture, you know, like, like finding ways to steal their powers to, like, give it to themselves. Like, like, it, they're, like I said, it's not a perfect metaphor, but I mean, like, but the, but I, but I think part of the idea is you cannot be afraid of who you are. And yeah. maybe, just maybe, it's not as simple as, as you know, Malcolm and Martin. You know, maybe there's uh, a more complicated thread there that does include, you know, like like you know, you look at something like Atlanta. Like I always, I'm always, I'm always hearing. I love Killer Mike. I love Run the Jewels, right? So yeah. I'm always hearing Killer Mike talking and stuff like that. And, and just like you know, one of the just the idea of building up your your, you know, he talks about Atlanta like it's Wakanda. You know what I mean? Like he talks about Atlanta like it's this place where, like, you know, you can find black businesses. And it's just, like I said again, it's not about shitting on white 
things. It's a it's a, it's about building something that right. exists on its own. That you know, and like I said, like and 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 you're right. The colonized mind, like I think maybe that's part of it, right? It's like we've been told that no, we got to do it together. But in doing it together, we see how that goes, right? In doing it together, we always end up on the bottom. In doing it together, we're usually the ones that that they stand on to get to the heights they get to, right? Yeah. And so the idea of the X-Men saying, it's time for us to separate from that situation because we know how it goes and build our own thing and see how that goes. You know what I mean? And see um, if that's any better for 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 what we're built for for our people, right? And and it's it's a tough it's 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 a tough road to to manage in a lot of ways because like kind coming back to black and brown people, you just like you know you don't be the, I'm not trying to say like oh black everyone should everything should be segregated, but I mean like but again it's just like when we're together, there's I got you. Actually, you have to love yourself before you can love others, and and, and you know we've been told not to love ourselves. You know what I mean? Like and it um, feels a little bit like like yeah, the the story to some extent is trying to thread a needle, and even in real life, we're we're attempting to thread a needle a little bit. I do think that you know we're um, before we wrap up here because we were oh, pushing yeah. a little bit. But I would say then you tell me what you guys think about. This. I think that probably the best metaphor to some extent to what we're talking about in that X Men Utopia is Tulsa. Is oh, that yeah. is Tulsa? Yeah. Black Wall Street, in many ways, was these people saying that we are going to be the mutants on Krakatoa or Krakawa or Krakoa. There we're we go. And we're gonna build. <laughs> I know, man. I'm way off. But essentially, that's what happened, right? These the people that lived in Tulsa on Black Wall Street and in, and in the surrounding neighborhoods built uh, a, a somewhat wealthy, functional community. Right. But what destroyed that community? Fear. And fear, in many ways, is essentially the cornerstone of the stories in, of X-Men, right? Essentially, I mean, if it works as an allegory, maybe not a perfect one, but it works a little bit. You want to say something? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, the line that you pointed out, um, Jared Sams, about the one that Cyclops says, right, to, to um, oh, yeah, uh, Susan Richards. So, yeah, I've been, I've I've uh, been told I was less my whole life. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. uh, but I know I'm more. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 line I think holds holds an answer, right? The the realization holds an answer. Um, and when I go into a classroom, you know, and I'm in there with with uh, black and brown young people, you know, who all their life have been told they were less than, right? Who don't know how to exercise their voice because because whether it be directly or indirectly have been told that their story does not matter, mm. right? From the history that they learn in school, uh, to television, you know, to, to the stuff we're talking about, like, you know, black and brown stories that don't get told. They're constantly told, you know, they're bombarded with that fact that it doesn't matter, right? So when you go into a classroom, you know, and, and I'm sitting in a, and I stand there and I'm inviting people to, to speak and there's silence, um, you know, I have to come in with that understanding, right? That I was also the, this young person, mm -hmm. and that's where the ch the change starts, right? Where I where I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to invite that conversation into the room, right? Okay, well, let's ask what story is being told. What's the narrative being told about you by them, right? Them being whoever whoever's is influencing this, this narrative, um, and, you know, and, and they'll yell it out, man. You know, a criminal, drug dealer, you know, uh, you know. Wow scum like they'll do all that stuff and so we'll make that list and i'm like and, and i'll ask the question is that true you know and look and it's so amazing how how 
how talkative they get when we're when we're talking about the narrative that's being spoken of, right? And so yeah. when I ask that question, is it true? And they say, they're like, well, you know, and I'm like, you know, and I'm like, is it true? And they're like, no. And then, you know, someone will be like, well, and then I'm like, maybe, maybe there's certain ones on there that might be true sometimes, but it's circumstantial, right? It's, it's, there's a larger conversation that's happened about poverty, about oppression. Like, you know, if they're calling you a criminal, it's a crime to ask, to, to accuse a young person of uh, being a criminal for stealing a bag of chips and not asking that young person if they're hungry. Right. right. Um, so then you ask the opposite. Right. And I'm like, OK, so if this is this story is not true. Um, then what is true? And that one usually takes longer. But then, they'll, you know, they eventually warm up and they're like brilliant, you know, like capable, like all of these words come up and, and, and encourage it to keep going until that list is longer than the other one. And you ask them, is this list true? And there's still that same hesitation. Uh, well, maybe some of it. You know, and and uh, and then explaining to them that the only that if we allow if we don't tell our own stories, other people will tell it for us. Yeah. And they never get it right, right? And so in that, there 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 comes a spark in their mind, right? A spark in their heart, like, well, maybe this is true, right? And the same thing. That's why I love that line so much, right? Because it's an empowerment. We go back to thinking about like different cultures and indigenous thought, right? And and an indigenous thought from whether it be from from South America, Central America, or Africa, like indigenous people all over the world, they believe that that we come into the world with a specific gift, right? We come to the world with a gift um, and a purpose for being in this world. So we don't have to we didn't have to fall into this idea that it was outside of us, right? That we had to go find ourselves. It was just a process of remembering, you know. So we came into the world with this gift, and I and 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 we no longer do that, right? Yeah. And like the X Men, we're shamed for our gifts. We're shamed, you know, for for what we brought into the world to offer to humanity, yeah. you know. And so that that's where the shift has to happen, right? And it's not about moving backwards, but it's about how do we apply these ancient and old ways of thinking, these philosophies, this understanding that every individual comes into the world with a gift, right? And that's a gift because if we don't recognize it as a gift, it becomes a curse. Woo! Woo! You know what? With that, yeah. I think that is the perfect place, <laughs> if I may say, to wrap up because I don't know if we could wrap it up possibly better than that. No, this is impossible. That's some, that's well, some good shit. That might be impossible I'm, to wrap it up better than that. I'm about to take over the world. I feel pumped, y'all. I feel oh, pumped. I got awesome. a gift, dog. I just remember just now. I would tell you, look, I'm in downtown. I'm thinking about walking the streets on my own. Oh, that's you know dumb. Don't do that. I'm thinking about going out here and just, man, to start my own protest, a one-man protest right Absolute now. Absolute last, last, last thing. I feel like yeah. that the... That the, the, the McTaggart storyline is yeah. trying to draw parallels with the MCU storyline to really? possibly, you know, the the multiple universe thing and okay. yeah. multiverse stuff. So maybe that's some way to bring the X Men into the MCU. Oh my goodness! I oh forgot. man, you you think wow, this, this versus X Men is too militant. Like, there's no way yeah. Disney's gonna be okay with that shit, man. I mean, that'd be cool if they were though. Do our sign off. I want to thank everybody from. Uh, listening to Mutant or Minority, you know, please um, find us on Instagram at Mutant or Minority. Find us on Twitter on Mutant or, at my, Mutant or Minority as well. Um, check out our website where you can find some writing by myself. You can also find artwork 
um, from my man Jared Sams. You can find all kinds of different things that we're doing. Um, and maybe in the future, you'll find some, um, even some poetry from myself or Frank Escamilla on there. But God knows. No? You guys are actually yeah, great. Right? You guys are great poets. You guys are yeah. like, a lot of times, like, like I roll my, I don't know why it is, but like, you guys are actually, yeah, whatever. You guys, you guys are no. good. <laughs> you guys are good poets. It's not like to someone say, oh, I write poetry. You guys are actually like legit motherfuckers. So, yeah. Also, we didn't catch the name of that cafe that you were talking about earlier, bro. I didn't hear any, any, uh, are we talking about a home brewed bar. There we go. Oh, yeah. And hey, man, if you get the chance, you know, please come to Pasadena. You can support Home Brew Bar by buying yourself a boba. You know what I'm saying? Myself, you know, um, and my um, and my partners were all people of color, you know, African American, Filipino, and you know, try to be down for the cause if you can. We are in Old Town Pasadena. It's Home Brew Bar. Um, but yeah, you know what? Um, in the future, uh, my man Frankie is going to be is heading up. Um, you know, a look into um. Uh, people of color as writers and artists so go to our instagram page and look and see some of the things that we're writing and maybe try to follow some of those people it'd be much appreciated and with that thank you very uh, much uh say where you're coming from say your your instagram where where, where we're at where you can find oh, this yeah, well, man you know what man i i don't do i even have an instagram right now i don't now? think I, you do i don't think you do at Spaceman underscore Jared. That's that's yeah. Me. You know what? You can catch me on Twitter at Black Spinach. Okay. That's my stage name. You can catch me on all social media as the Bus Stop Profit, or rather, just Bus Stop Profit. There it is. All right, you guys. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Stepping over Stepping over buildings. Stepping over walls. Stepping over boundaries. Stepping over all of y'all. This a name, so I ain't acting or rapping the same. I be packing the flame, not from a Gatlin's bang. But in my heart, where was always sustained, but hardly contained for me. This is culture, others call the game. Won't complain, I'm not one of these lames. Who's wishing to get paid, but on stage they complain. Making a little change, but status quo don't change. Shit, I got a style that'll switch.